Yeah, so it's been a it's been a bit of a week in the Wirtz family household. Uh, if you see me over there, you know when I I'm going to wear this when I'm close to folks because uh, our our three year old tested positive. We've been taking tests for the rest of the family. No one else has tested positive. And talking to Meredith before, she's like, this is nothing short of a miracle. How do you have a three-year-old with COVID and nobody else? Because you know, like three-year-olds are like, they're like this, and then they're like this, and then they're like licking you and like, you're not supposed to do that. But you know, so uh, yeah, we're all, we're, we're, the rest are doing okay. We're doing well. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what's been going on uh, in, in our household. But uh, yeah, a couple, a couple nights where she's not sleeping well, but she, she's coming around and doing all right. Um, so today, um, wrapping up the series, Change Your World, and um, I guess my hope is that this would be just kind of a, a stepping off point, a branching out. You know, we've got these opportunities to serve before you, to see like, you know, for, to ask and to ponder and to think, what, what is it that God has for me? There's maybe one small thing that he might be saying to maybe to set aside in order that you might pick something else up or maybe it's to set aside that you might make room for him or maybe it's something that, to, that says, you know, th- there's something that he's calling you into to be a part of the work of the ministry that he's created for you to be a participant in. So we've been journeying through the book of Acts, kind of going through the first six chapters. So we're going to pick up today in Acts chapter six. And um, boy, I really appreciated last week, um, Pastor Nate Howard, who was our district superintendent, went through the end of uh, chapter five, which is kind of the context that we pick up in. But there's a, there's a decent amount of, of, of tension between the, the apostles and then the, the rulers of the synagogue in that time, the rulers over the temple, that, that they, were, they were, you know, putting them in jail and they were saying, you've got to stop preaching about, you've got to stop talking about Jesus. And what Nate had to say about this is that, that we represent Jesus best to the world and we are in awe of him and how the early church was just such in such awe of who Jesus was and of what he had done. And so this is some of the context of, of, of that, what was going on around them. And then every so often in, in the book of Acts, we kind of get a glimpse into the life of the church. A lot of the book of Acts is about, you know, the, the expansion of it. But every now and then they say, okay, like Acts 2.42, that they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of bread and to praying together. So you see a glimpse of what it looked like when they were gathering. So, you know, they, in Acts, they said, they, well, they, they gathered together in a specific place called Solomon's Portico, and they were together and they were praying. So we know prayer was a big part of what the early church did. In Acts 4, you know, they, were, they, they gathered together, and the, the room that they were in was shaken as they were, they were praying for boldness, that they would not be intimidated. And so today we get another glimpse into the early life of the church and the beginning of Acts 6. And um, this particular message, the final message, is called Chosen to Serve, uh, because that's actually at the heading of my Bible. It says that there are seven who were chosen to serve in the early church. And these are the circumstances of what, what people call the, the very first deacons. Like we actually have an elected office in our church that's called the, the, the position or the role of a deacon or a deaconess. And then this is the, what people see as the beginning of that ministry. And, and the word deacon comes from diakonos, which is Greek for to serve or servant. A diakonos means literally a servant. How we are called to serve. 
And what that looks like, whether it's within the church, whether it's in your community, whether it's in other organizations, whether it's where you work, where you go. We're called to serve. We're chosen to serve. So, um, I don't know if you know, but I, uh, my dad is a pastor as well. So I'm a, I'm a PK, what they say, a pastor's kid, um, which is a, a bit of a unique experience. Uh, any other PKs out there in the house? All right, awesome. Yeah, so uh, as pastor's kids, you kind of just get like thrown into the mix. You know, um, you talk about chosen to serve. Well, I was chosen to serve from a very young age, like all the time, all right? So you, you show up at church on Sunday and your dad's like, oh, we don't have an acolyte. Here you go, take this, go light the candles. You know, so he's like, okay, so this, does it go this way or does it go that way? I never figured it out. Does the wick go up? Does anyone know those weird things that have like a bell on one side and a wick on the other? Do you care it this way? I don't know. I never was trained. But anyways, I was the acolyte more often than not. You know, it was these old country churches. With, anyways, um, oftentimes we'd need it. My dad liked to like act out things and he would dress up as, uh, you know, a shepherd or whatever. We'd do these, these things and all these costumes. So very frequently I was found as like, hey, I need, I just need a Joseph. It's like, okay, I'd be Joseph. So I'd lead the, you know, the Mary as, you know, someone singing Breath of Heaven that I don't know, and I'm, I'm just dressed up as Joseph on Christmas Eve, right? <laughs> you just sing Breath of Heaven, I'm just here, all right? It's great. Um, you know, I remember one Easter morning where we were had an outdoor sunrise service, and, and my dad was like, oh, if we could just have some disciples, like, running around shouting, he's alive! So I literally have, like, this robe thing on, and it's like, the sun's barely up. I'm like, so tired. I'm like, it's like, oh, now's my time. I gotta run. He's alive! He's alive! It's like, okay, I can do that. My favorite was probably, um, actually we did this a couple times. I, don't, I didn't actually test this outfit out the first time, but I, I used it. Um, that my dad, my dad was like, okay, we'll be really cool. He, he's a guy, of, uh, he's an idea guy, right? It's like, be <laughs> really amazing and really impactful. It's like, okay, there was this platform like up high up, like where the pipes and the organ, like behind it where there's this screen that you can't see through unless there's a light behind it. So wouldn't it be really cool if there was like an angel up there? that had like, you know, lights lit up. So he literally took like this white, maybe it was a white shirt or a big white thing, and he stitched in the old like tube lighting. And so they were like, and this is before they had LEDs. So like, these were like these incandescent bulbs and you put this thing on and you know, they're like, it's like, okay, at the right moment, you're gonna plug it in and you're gonna glow. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, it's getting hot up here. <laughs> How long am I gonna do this? You know, you just get thrown into all kinds of stuff um, all the time. But in, in this, hopefully something, <laughs> sometimes it's not spiritual at all. You're just like, you know, there's a need. You just step in and you do it. And, and sometimes there's something more that God is doing. And that's what I think we're seeing here in the church um, with Acts chapter 6. Of this, like I said, a glimpse of the internal working of the church. Because there was something that wasn't going so well. You know, I love how honest the scriptures are. And when, you know, you see them talking about the disciples and they're kind of bumbling around and like trying to figure things out and getting it wrong. And then we even see the early church here where it's like, wait a minute. It wasn't all like peaches and cream and hey, we're doing a great thing. We're all loving each other perfectly. You know, love one another. And then we see this and it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's okay. You know, we, we don't have our stuff together. We can just work through it. So this is what, this is what Acts chapter 6 <clears throat> uh, says. And we're starting in verse 1. And it says this, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, 
Maybe we should just pause right there. Okay, what is going on? There's a complaint in the church, and who are these people? So, the early church was made up of, of converts from Judaism, from Jews, but I mean, I would think, oh, all these, these, they're all like one group of people. And what we actually learned out in the early church is that even among the Jews, there were separate groups of people that didn't really get along all that well. They didn't get along that well when they were not Christians. And then suddenly, like, when they came into the church, it's not like their differences just disappeared. And like, hey, we're happy and good now. And what happened, there was these, the, the, the Hebraic Jews, the ones that, that, that spoke Hebrew, they read the Hebrew scriptures. They would have followed probably all 637, 600 and some laws. And they, they were the ones that were like, we've got this, you know. And we look down on those who read the, the Hellenists, who were the Greek-speaking Jews. The, those of you who read the Greek translation of the Old Testament, this is not good. But they're like, look, we speak Greeks. We, we, this is a, how we can access the scriptures, and so outside, before they were there in the church, there was this conflict. And then it, it got carried into the church whenever they became Christians. And, and so what happened? What was the conflict about? It says, this conflict arose, this complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows, the, the, the Greek widows, um, were being neglected in the daily distribution. And uh, that's the very first place in the scripture where we see uh, the, the, the a noun form of to serve, diakonia, that, that they were in the daily serving uh, of how when they were serving these people, that, that they said, look, we, we kind of noticed that these widows over here are getting more food, and then the widows that are part of, that are part of our, they're not getting as much. What are we going to do about this? So... Um, that's some of the context of what's going on there. And, and, and what I see is the, the, the real problem that was going on is that in, in this distribution of food, however it was being managed or however it was going, that there was this lack of, of leadership over that area of the church. You know, as any organization, as it grows and as more people become a part of it, there are these growing pains. And there's certain areas that pop up and like, oh, this needs some leadership over it because this is not going well. And so there's this lack of leadership, this kind of void which then leads to the question, you know, who's going to do this? Who is going to oversee this ministry? Who's going to make sure that what's happening within the church is actually a reflection of the way the church is meant to be? And so, verse 2, the apostles enter, right? So they're going to solve the problem for us, right? They got, they've got this figured out. They say, okay, hey guys, well, we need some help from the 12 apostles. You guys are close to Jesus. You can fix it, right? And so the 12, they, they, they summoned the whole number of the disciples and they said, we got this. No, they didn't say that. Look what they said. They said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. That's that word again. This is the verb form, diakoneo, to serve, that servant part. It's not right that we should give up the preaching of the word. You know, I, I think about myself, and if I was in that, I, in that situation, you know, um, I, I get this wrong all the time because I'm like, okay, there's a need. I'll do it. I'll fix it. And then I end up just like doing stuff myself instead of like equipping the body to serve the body and I think is really the heart of this passage of why, of one part of it, is that the disciples saying, we have a call on our lives. And a second part of it that's, there are people who can be raised up for the work of ministry, right? 
And I look at these, that, that first part, that they had a call, that they knew their calling, the apostles, and they would not let go. Right? And I think about that. I was like, oh man, I wish I would be more like that, that I would have this sense of knowing this is what God called me to do, and I am not going to let go of this no matter what. I see this other opportunity. I'm like, no, I can't do that because I'm called to do this. And I look at the disciples like, how did they get there? I was like, wow. So I was preparing and thinking through this. I was like, wow, these were the guys that Jesus said directly to them. He said, you will be my witnesses. So how did they get there? They heard from Jesus. How did they hear from Jesus? Well, they, they spent time with Jesus and they heard his voice and they heard his call. So I think if we're, if we're gonna like talk about you know, changing your word and step world and stepping into maybe a calling or an pa- area of passion, and maybe some of you are there and you say, I've got this, I know what God is calling me to do. But maybe you're not there and you don't know exactly what that is. Well, how, how do we get there? I think part of it is being in proximity to Jesus and listening for his voice. I think part of it, too, is then they, what did they do? They surrendered to that. They said, okay, there are these other things. We used to be fishermen. We used to be tax collectors, some of them. They said, you know, we're going to set aside all of that stuff that we used to do. We're going to surrender to this call, and we're going to commit ourselves to that. So there's a call from Jesus. There's a surrender to him. And then finally, there was the empowerment of the Spirit that we talked about earlier, that the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts 2. And they saw fruitfulness in ministry. And so all of that kind of like solidified them and saying, look, we can't do this. So I think part of discernment, and, and, and if you understand your call, part of, part of discernment is saying, no, actually, um, I'm not supposed to do that. And what we're looking for in this list, like our heart is not to say, if we kind of get down to like the nitty gritty, it's like I'm not a, we're not just looking for somebody who's already busy to just say, oh yeah, you know what, I'm just going to do one more thing. But what is really, what's, what's God up to? What's he working on in your heart? What, what's, what's he asking? What is his call? And uh, an example that I've seen in this is um, with my wife, Emily, and uh, we were talking through some of the stuff, and um, as I was reading this, I'm like, ah, oh, she just came to mind because I've seen such a, uh, a sense of her over the past couple years. If you don't know her story, so she, she um, was a music educator and then went back to school for vocal performance and pedagogy, which is a fancy word for teaching. Um, so she would teach voice lessons, and, we, and this is what she did when we were in, Vo- in Williamsport. Uh, she was an associate professor at Lycoming College and taught voice lessons. She was a director of a uh, youth choir there as well and found such great joy in uh, working with middle Middle okay, get this, joy in working with middle school kids. That doesn't, sorry if you're in middle school, but that, <laughs> that, take, that is a calling right there, right? Um, that that she, she loved it. And like in the midst of all of that mess of figuring out who they are, like she's like, oh, this is what she's like, she's like was made for this. And then the other thing she did was she'd perform. She would sing and perform. And then in the midst of the pandemic, 2020, all of those things were stripped away, right? The, the voice program at the college, like, oh, we're not doing voice lessons anymore. You can do some online, but she's like, I don't teach voice online. I don't know how you do that. She's about to have a concert in the spring of March, uh, I think it was April of 2020, and uh, she's about to, all, all sorts of concerts that were just canceled. Hers was one of them. This kid's prepared this music and we're ready to go, and it just, it, it never happened. And then performing, like the gigs that, gigs that she would do um, that just for two years, like there was nothing. 
as she's doing. And so in the midst of this, she's kind of like, um, you know, she's just asking God, like, God, what are you doing? Because she felt like this is who she is. This is her identity. She was called to do these things. And yet they were just stripped away. And so in the midst of that time, you know, what did she do? It was just like, these, she pressed in and she's like, okay, God, if this isn't for me, you know, just surrendering her grasp on, on what she thought her identity was in. Being open to hearing from God on like, what, what might he be doing in this new season? And just coming out of it with this real sense of like, oh, you know, what's her, her passion now is walking alongside women to find healing and freedom. And what a beautiful journey it's been from her and releasing some of these things. She still participates. She said, you know, she, I still find, she still finds joy in what she does in, in music, but, but this is the real sense of purpose and the way that God's just provided some opportunities. Some of them are ministry opportunities uh, in working with uh, a program for women and all of them are just like opportunities in like a very secular business that she does that, and she's just like, no, I'm working with these women in this because like this is a calling to, to help them walk out in healing and in freedom. So um, it's just been amazing to see her kind of come alive in that, which, which really reminded me of a, a quote that a friend of mine, um, so Pastor Spence Sweeting, who was a lead pastor in Williamsport, he would always sign, sign his emails, uh, or he had a, a signature tagline at the bottom of it, and it, and it had this quote. So I've read this hundreds of times and, uh, in his emails, and it said this uh, quote by Howard Thurman that said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I really think that that's is what, you know, this is what the disciples, what the apostles were saying. No, 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 we can't stop and serve tables because this is what makes us come alive is when we preach the word and whenever we pray. So we have got to do this. And they couldn't stop. So I wonder the question for us today is like, in all of these, you know, things that are before you or things that are on your mind, or maybe it's something not even connected to this, but what, what makes you come alive? What is it that maybe God is stirring in a passion that, that he's put on your heart? And maybe that, that's just, that he's like, oh, you know what? This passion I have, maybe God could use this. And then there's an intersection of that passion when we surrender it to Jesus and say, okay, God, how could you use this for your glory? So we surrender it to him and then we invite the Holy Spirit and we say, well, it's not our power that we want to do things for you, God, but it's going to be through your spirit. So this, these passions surrendered to God, empowered by the spirit, that where this all kind of aligns up is, is a place where God can really move. So as we're kind of wrapping up this Change Your World series, you know, what, 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 is, what might that kind of take a moment to just even dream or set aside some time and think about, like, you know, what makes me come alive? What would that look like if I surrendered that? What if God were to use that? And I know some people are there already. And some people are like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. It's like, Aiden, what am I supposed to do? It's like, that's okay. We've got some more scripture here. We'll keep reading. Surely, we'll keep going. So, um, so. The disciples said, it's not me. We're not going to be the ones who can, we're not called to do this. We're called to do something else. So what happens? Verse three. <clears throat> this is their instruction. The apostles say, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. 
but we, may I affirm it again, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And that word ministry that's translated ministry, that's actually the same, that's the same Greek, diokonia, the serving of the word. They're like, look, some of you, and I love this picture of like, some of you, you're called to, you are called to serve tables. You are called to work in your job. This is your calling is to go to do that. The, for the apostles, they're like, no, we are, we are called to serve the word. Just as you, maybe your job is literally serving, and maybe this is a part of where God can, if you surrender it to him, that he can move in that. They said, well, it's just a different type of serving, but we're all serving in some way. And so I see this not elevating themselves above because of this calling, but saying, no, we're actually just servants, but this is where our, our servant hearts are called to do this. Ministry of the word. So what's the real solution that they're putting forward, though? So what they're saying here is like, look, pick out from among you guys. We're not even saying like, okay, we're going to dictate, we're going to say it's this guy, this guy, and that guy. Okay, go, go fix it. No, they're saying, look within your community. And so the solution is found in community. That's, there's this partnership among all of the disciples that are gathered that they're like now looking at each other and they're saying, okay, well, what are we looking for? They didn't, they didn't actually, you know, if I was that guy saying, okay, here's what you should do. You should probably find somebody who's uh, got some restaurant experience and uh, somebody who's, you know, knows how to serve. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not the problem. There was a leadership problem. So they were looking for people with leadership skills. They're looking for people for character, right, is what they're looking for. Men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and it's a partnership. They say, okay, you guys look among yourselves. Who do you see who has these qualities? Call them up, and then we'll join with you, and we will affirm that, right? And they say, then we will appoint them. They find people in your, in, among you, and then we will affirm that, and we'll appoint them to this role, right? And so the question here um, is, you know, for us, if we don't know your passion, like, the question is, like, who is speaking into your life then? Who if we were to kind of look at this, this context here today and like, okay, are we in community enough that people know us? That people could look at us and say, you know what, I really, I see this in you. Have you ever thought about maybe stepping into this? Which I know Seth's really good at that too. And some other people's like, hey, I see this in you. Would you like, maybe help out with a wake? Try it out. Has someone called you, called you out like that? Or have you been like hanging back and like, who, me, what? But who is speaking into your life? And maybe if you're like, well, I don't know that people really know me well enough. Well, we have this thing coming up in a couple weeks, right? Pastor Chad was just talking about like community group, connecting to community groups. Maybe that's a first step in finding your place is even just finding a place in community. Sometimes that's the door. Sometimes it's just like, you know, you just need to like step into serving and you end up finding a place in, in a serving community, like working together with other people that, 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 that gifts and, and characteristics and things can be discovered. And this is what they did. So uh, verses five and six. It says, what they said, what the apostles said, pleased the whole gathering. And so they chose, right? They looked among themselves. And they said, oh, here are these seven guys that they've got the character that we're looking for. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon. Oh, wait, Timon. It's not Timon and Pumbaa, sorry. <laughs> it's like, I'm not gonna say Timon. I'm not gonna say Timon. I said Timon. Pumbaa's not in the list, all right? 
Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, and they set these before the apostles, and then just such a beautiful thing of community that the apostles, they prayed, they laid their hands on them, and commissioned them for this work of ministry. Just something I love that we do here too, of just even last week, just praying over and commissioning, saying like, this may be your area of ministry, you know, as everyone who's starting in the school districts or at Penn State. And say, maybe this is where God's called you to be his representative, to expand the kingdom in this, in this realm. All right. So who is speaking into your life? And um, sometimes it works out when someone calls you up to do something. Sometimes it doesn't work out. I've had the joy of experiencing both of these. Um, times that it works out. So I was, again, I, in Williamsport, uh, when we were part of the, the church plant there, it, um, maybe our third or fourth year, we, we ended up purchasing an old downtown facility. And I don't think I've shared this story yet, but we, when, we, when we opened the doors, um, to, a lot of folks were like, oh, hey, there's a new church there. And so we get a lot of like, foot traffic of people uh, in Williamsport who's like, hey, I need some help. Uh, I, my water's getting shut off. Can you, you know, pay, help me pay my bill? So things like that. And we, we had some elected people in the church who were officially like the deacons and deaconess, like this deacon team that were overseeing it. But up to that point, nobody ever asked for help because like they didn't know, we, we didn't have a building. We didn't have a place for people to come to. So now suddenly we have like almost like a, not quite a storefront, but we've got a, we've got a building. And so we're getting all these requests. And so um, eventually I was put over that team and said, okay, let's, how are we going to do this? And uh, it was just, what a joy to work together. I'm like, well, what resources? We have no idea. Like, well, we don't want to replicate what the community's doing already. So we had a great time with this team of people just bringing in different resources, learning about what's available, figuring out, okay, what's our process? And the team came up with a process, and it was just a beautiful thing to see how the body can serve um, the community. It was a hard thing. You know, it's such a hard thing when you uh, working in that, in those situations where someone's asking you to do all, everything. It's like, well, we really want to, we don't want to do anything for you that you, you could be doing for yourself. So we're really looking to partner with people. So just kind of taking that stance. Um, it was a beautiful ministry to be a part of. Uh, I also think things not, not going so well. Uh, whenever we moved into the building, I was also, I said, okay, Aiden, um, you're going to be in charge of the facility too. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Same thing from when I was a kid. Okay, sure. Um, and uh, part of it was, it was an old Baptist church, and there was a baptistry down front that, uh, I don't know the last time it had been used, but when we were moving in, one of the old, the, the janitors from the old, the old church, he came and was like, well, I should probably show you how to use the, to heat the water for the baptistry. So we go down into the basement, and I'd, I'd kind of seen some of the basement, and then we go back to this one part where there's like this, this, there's a sidewalk in the basement because the rest of it's like dirt and mud. I'm like, okay. And then we like kind of go off the sidewalk, and we're like walking around these, like these mounds of dirt that are down there. I'm like, do you guys, like, bury people down here? <laughs> it's like, no, no. I'm like, what are these about? I don't know. So then we get, we come around this corner, and then there's this, this, like, cast iron thing that looks like, it's like from the 1800s. And he's like, well, there's the water heater for the baptistry. It's like, what? <laughs> like, you never replaced it? It's like, nope. The church, I think the, the, the original building was built in the, the 1800s, and this was like the original water heater. It was gas, so they had natural gas. It was a natural gas um, thing. It had like these, these copper coils that, that spun around there, and then literally just these gas flames that would shoot up through it. And it was actually quite clever because as water flowed through it, theoretically, when, when you turned water on, this piston, it would get pressure from the water, and it would turn on the gas, except the piston was froze, 
and it didn't move anymore because it was all junked up with like 100 years worth of grime. And so he said, well, that part doesn't really work. So here's what you do. I usually just look on the ground and like pick up a rock and just shove a rock in there. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> this is how you heat the water? <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay, okay. <clears throat> and he said, then you want to make sure the flames go about this high. Because like if they go this high, then like it just starts spitting steam out and that's just no good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay, so, uh, so we did it. We filled the baptistry. We had our first baptisms uh, in the new facility. It was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Um, and it's actually a beautiful view. Like when you're down in the baptistry, you kind of look up at, the, up at the balcony and there's this stained glass window of, of Jesus being baptized in the Jordan. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then uh, at the end of the ceremony uh, or end of the service, we, you know, there's a, a valve that you turn to open up the drain. And so, you know, they didn't say anything about that. So I'm like, all right, just open it up. Open it up full, let the thing drain out. And then pretty soon I hear like this, like, sounds like running water down in the basement. Like, what is going on? So you like kind of open the basement steps, start going down the steps, turn on the light. And I'm like, whoa, there's like this big puddle of water down there. I'm like, oh no, what is going on? Uh, and so what, I mean, after months then, this launched into like a, like, why am I, I don't know anything about like sewage or, you know, sewer lines. And I, I learned a lot, but again, like, I don't know if this is a great fit for me, but like the, the sewer line was actually like angled up in this hump. So it kind of had this pinch point. So then it got backed up. And then because the building didn't have really much usage for, I don't know, 40 years, no one seemed to notice that there was this big hole in the terracotta pipe. So it just backed up and then just like flushed everything out when we started draining the uh, baptistry. So we're like down there. I'm like, what is that? Is that like, I think that's toilet paper floating around. It's like, oh man. So one of my friends later said, was like, oh, that was probably a crappy day at, at work. I was like, thanks. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I am not sad to be done with that. <laughs> so some, some things work out really well, and some things it's like you just kind of, you stick with it for, you know, as long as you need to, and, y you know, and then find people who know more, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, as, I'm, as I was thinking through some of this too, like this idea that the solution is found in community, you know, and who is actually speaking into your life. It also reminded me um, of a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Jen Lake, and she was starting, you know, God had put a passion on her heart. You know, she had been in uh, foster and adoptive care, uh, working for Bethany Christian Services. She's like, but I, but I see this such a need to do more and support for these families. And so she gathered a team of people, and she said, Aiden, I know this is something you're passionate about. Would you come join, come join our team with this? And so we did. And I think it was one of the first meetings when we got together to pray over, like, what's, what is this gonna, what is this gonna look like? What is it gonna be? It ended up being a, a nonprofit called Dwell Orphan Care. And, um, but what she started out was, she's like, this is what God's really put on my heart that we would just start with prayer. And that's exactly what we did. We begin with prayer. And then the second thing she said is like, but I really want to dream big because I really think that God wants to do something really, really big with this and that he wants to move. And so she had this faith that, that God was going to show up and do something that, that hadn't been done before. So she dream big. But then she said, you know what? But I know I'm, we're just a small group. So what we really, we got to start small. And those th three things have really stuck with me of like, pray first, dream big, and imagine what might God do? And yet, sometimes the very first steps of what, what he's calling us to do are very, very small. It's just something small. It's just so our first small step was just getting together to pray. 
The very first thing that, that, that this organization did is like, well, maybe we can just get some, some donations together and then when, when somebody has a new foster kid coming into their house, we're just gonna drop off a package for them and say, hey, we're praying for you. We love you. We know this is hard. Um, let this be a blessing to you. And so we just started really small. And it's grown and grown and grown and it's just continuing to grow and expand to these days. And the words that kind of come to mind is just like, to, to not to despise, to not despise small beginnings. Because I think God is often in those very small first steps. All right? And I think that could have been like, you know, these, these guys, any one of them, Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, all of them, could have been like, you want us to what? You, you want us to like, we're full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and you want us to serve tables? Like, they could have had that attitude, but they didn't. You know, they stepped into this, what may have been a small beginning, and they said, yeah, we're going to serve whatever you need. And they served faithfully. They served the church. So, what happens next is that the, the final verse here, the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So the gospel, what was the result of all of this? These people submitting to this small step and to this working out of, of, of what was causing tension, right? There's this problem that things weren't going well. And said, okay, we're going to step in. We're going to provide some leadership. We're going to figure this out. Well, then it, the gospel expanded. And I don't think that there's like, I don't think it's like, okay, well, it expanded because now that freed up the apostles to keep preaching. No, I think it expanded because the, of the, the, just the way that the church could be the church, the way that, the, that these leaders could step in and say, you know what, we're going to bring some of God's kingdom actually inside the church, which is sometimes where we need it to see that expand first and most is like, are we loving one another well? Are we caring for one another are we representing the gospel well in the way that we talk to each other? Because when we show the love of Christ among one another, then, then like how much more appealing is our testimony to the world? So I'm going to leave you with one more thought that actually came from this friend of mine who's, who started that Dwell Orphan Care. Uh, a couple years ago, this was kind of their slogan for, for, for what she was doing. She, she said this, and it's very simple. She says, everyone can do something. What's your something? And so that's kind of the last question for this morning. You know, what's your something? What is it? You know, it doesn't need to be big. It doesn't need to be like, oh, I'm passionate about this. It doesn't have to be a passion. If it is, that's awesome. It doesn't have to be <clears throat> even on this list. It doesn't have to be related to ministry. Maybe it's just a sense of like, you know what? I'm going to step into where, I'm, where, I'm, where God's called me to work and maybe I'm going to start praying through what that looks like to be, you know, why is God have me carrying the presence of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, into this place? Even that, that, that sense of calling, I, um, I forgot to say this earlier, but like, you know, what is our primary call? And that primary call is to Jesus to live that out well and let the rest of this flow from that sense of just connection and unity with him and his heart for the world. And maybe that's the, I mean, that's the, the small step. Maybe it's <clears throat> connecting to community. I know this is about serving in places and roles, but maybe it's that finding that place in community. 
but I do know that we can partner best with God in advancing the gospel when we are loving and serving one another well here within the church. So everyone can do something. What's your something? So let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you that, that, that you have created us, that you have given us gifts, and the scripture says that you have prepared works for us. So God, I pray that you would reveal, that you would just, uh, just a revelation from you on what that is, even if it's some small thing. God, I, I pray that you would open our eyes to see just how, how we are connected as a body and how you've created us uh, and that, you've get, that, that, that you know, as we gather together here in this one place, that then you disperse us throughout the whole community. And that as we go, that we are carrying your kingdom, that we are to be ambassadors, we are to be carrying this. And there's just maybe one small, maybe that one small thing is, is a smile or a kind word or an encouragement to someone we run into. Maybe it's our neighbors. Maybe it's oh, something here on the sheet that, that, you're, that you're putting on our heart to say, you know what, that's, that's you, this is for you. A step into that one small step. God, I pray that we'd keep our eyes on, on, the, on the big picture, that this is about you advancing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to partner with you. God, would you inspire us to, to pick up what it is that you have before us, maybe to set down what it is that we should not be carrying, to pick up what you've got. So Jesus, we pray this in, in your name. Amen.